0: everybody. Welcome to the Roto-World Football Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Summerlin, and I am joined right now, as I am every Thursday, by Nick Minzio to talk about the best starts and most notable sits for week four of the fantasy football season. Rich Rebar will also be jumping on later to discuss some of the most interesting data points from his weekly worksheet column, so make sure to stay tuned for that as well. Before we get to them, however, I would like to mention... The best way you can help the podcast, whether you find the show on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find it, whatever service you use to listen to your podcast, rating and reviewing the show helps us in the rankings and helps other people find the podcast. So please, we appreciate when you rate and review, review early and review often, and uh, we definitely appreciate it. All right, with that out of the way, let's get to the
2: action. What's up, Nick? What's going on, Ray? I guess we're at the quarter pull. This thing's flying by, it seems.
0: Yeah, it's going by it's going by pretty quick. I always say this about week four or five when the buys get here and say, Oh, it's going so fast. And then you get to week twelve and you think, Oh, when is it going to end?
2: <laughs> every year, man. Every year, around round double 10, di- digits, ten, eleven, twelve. That's when I start being like, Oh man, this needs to get over with.
0: And it's sad because then by March we're all wishing for football. I feel like I feel like football should happen once every two weeks. Like it would, it would elongate the season. It would make everybody who covers football, would be better. It'd be, give the players more time to recover after injuries. I think this is a winning idea. Football's every, our teams just play every two weeks. This is a, this is a winning idea. I think.
2: Then that takes away from our NBA DFS love. That's my second favorite. So (laughs) I I love NBA DFS once NFL season ends. It's my favorite.
0: But you'd have all that time. You'd be able to do both.
2: That's true. That's true. I guess I could, I'm going to try and do both during the season, but I'm just, I don't know if it's going to happen this year.
0: I'm going to write a letter to Goodell. I'm going to get on (laughs) that. So as always, we're going to talk about starts and sits. But before we get to that, we're going to hit on a bit of news. It's actually been a pretty big news day while we record these on Wednesday afternoon. And I guess the biggest news of the day was the announcement of a hairline fracture in Des Bryant's knee. He did not practice Wednesday. And Coach Jason Garrett called it, quote, a day-by-day or week-by-week thing, which who knows what that means. Uh, so I guess the first things first with Des. do you think he's going to play this week against the 49ers? And if not, what are we doing with this offense?
2: I'm, if I'm just going to make an educated guess, I'd say he does not play. I mean, a, a fracture in their fibula, which is at the bottom of the leg, seems like it's been like a two-month recovery. I mean, this doesn't sound like that bad, but maybe one to two weeks, three weeks, maybe at the tops. So it's what it sounds like, but I'm just not expecting Des to play at all. And uh, if he doesn't, I'm pretty much just avoiding this passing game and just going to hammer Zeke Elliott if I have him anywhere in season long. I know the the 49ers play better defense at home, so I'm not like looking to get on Zeke uh, and DFS wise because there's so many better plays, I think. So I'm pretty I pretty much avoid this game.
0: I I see where you're coming from. I would definitely if Des is out, I I thought that Prescott was going to be a pretty good play, but I'm going to get off that completely. I'm going to avoid that completely for sure. I do still like Cole Beasley though. I think that Beasley has been getting the targets. In fact, he already has two more targets than Dez Bryant. So it's he's been getting a lot of them. He has three red zone targets this year and he's actually been a fairly effective touchdown scorer. He had 11 career touchdowns on 202 targets entering the season. So I think that definitely if you're in PPR leagues, Beasley is someone you need to you need to have rostered and and maybe even starting. Uh, or I would say even if Des is playing definitely starting and if Des doesn't play I think that Beasley in standard leagues is is going to be valuable as well but I understand I understand where you're coming from especially with how better traditionally how much better traditionally the 49ers have been at home
2: I really want to play this game though if Des can play just cuz it's the Cowboys are going to be so up in pace cuz the 49ers are the number one pace team in the league so ton more plays for the Cowboys offense so I I'd really like to play this game if, if Des plays and it's worth noting on your Beasley thing that Jimmy Ward's out, too, because he's their top slot corner and probably their best cover corner altogether.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that obviously helps his matchup. And by the way, Beasley's out there in 72% of Yahoo League. So if you need a fill-in starter, if your dynasty teams look as bad as Nick and mine do, <laughs> as we were talking about before the show, and Beasley, Beasley's someone to look at for sure. Another guy's dealing with an injury, another wide receiver dealing with an injury, is Eric Decker, who had his streak of 80 yards or a touchdown broken last week against the Chiefs uh, in just a magnificent game by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Just, just a special, special show of quarterbacking by Fitzpatrick against the Chiefs. It was bad. Now it looks like he could be, he could be looking at some missed time as well. Coach Todd Bowles confirmed Decker aggravated his shoulder injury against Kansas city. And it is now worse than it was before the game. How concerned are you, about this injury for Decker?
2: I'm definitely pretty concerned. I, I'm definitely, if I were to guess right now, I would say he's not going to play someday. I mean, he didn't look right in the in the loss, and now his injury is worse, so I'm just really not expecting Decker to go this And Like we were talking about with our dynasty teams, he's on my squad. Squad's fully tanking right now, so I just, I'm just <laughs> i just not expecting to get any good luck with him at all this week. And if he doesn't play, I guess Quincy Anunua was definitely going to see double-digit targets uh, the Chiefs are, wait, who are they playing this week? Who are the Jets even They're playing? They're playing Seahawks. Oh, the Seahawks. So that's, the Seahawks. Tough, that's tough, yeah. Yeah, really tough matchup, slow pace game. I'm, I mean, Anun was super cheap on in DFS, and he's probably not owned in very many uh, redraft leagues, so you definitely need to pick him up. I think he'll see 10 targets at least, don't you, don't you think?
0: Yeah, he's out there in 70% of Yahoo League, so almost as many as Beasley. He was a pickup before this news. I mean, he already has, I think, More targets, I think, than Decker. I think he has like a 22% target share. So he's already been used. So it's not like it's not like even if Decker plays that he's that he's not going to see the targets. But the matchup is tough. But if Decker doesn't play, I mean, he's what going to get 25% of the targets, more red zone looks, even in a tough matchup in a deeper league. That or someone who's struggling with you know injury, struggling with bye, that's worth something. So I definitely think he needs to be owned and. Depending on the situation, I imagine he'll be in the rank somewhere in the 40s if Decker doesn't play, and that's, that's starting on some fantasy teams in deeper leagues.
2: Yeah, I, I like Inunua for sure, just for sheer volume.
0: And then finally, following a disappointing start to the season for the running game, Ravens coach John Harbaugh said he would consider changes to the backfield. Trying to decode this a little bit, what do you think those changes will be?
2: Probably more Terrence West, less Justin Forsett. Forsett just isn't getting it done right now. He's over 30. West has their longest run of the season, a 15-yarder to open the second half last week, which is nothing to get excited about. Yeah. I mean, neither neither of these guys is anything to go on waiver wires and be like, oh, I need to start this guy and pick him up. So, I mean, I'm just not expecting them to run the ball very much at all until Kenneth Dixon maybe returns and then – I don't even think he's going to be the savior like Twitter is uh, expecting him to be.
0: No, Kenneth Dixon, if you listen to Twitter, is the second coming of Walter Payton. (laughs) Kenneth Dixon is going to set the world on fire and earn his Hall of Fame jacket in week seven. So that's, that's what's going to happen in the Twitter world. I am taking a more cautious approach with Kenneth Dixon. I do think what you said about Terrence West, West has played a lot fewer snaps than Forsett, but he has actually... Seen two more carries, been much more effective on the ground, and his number—he's looked better than the numbers. I mean, the Ravens are struggling with, um, struggling with injuries on the offensive line, and by the way, an offensive line that wasn't that good to begin with. So I don't think that this is a situation where West is going to disappear once Dixon shows up. The good news is that Dixon is the passing game threat on a team that's going to throw 630 times this year. So if he can take. Most of that work from Forsett. He'll obviously be valuable. But, I mean, we don't even know what he's going to play. They're targeting week five. He's definitely not playing this week. I think that people need to calm down a little bit on Kenneth Dixon. But maybe I'm wrong. How are you valuing Dixon moving forward?
2: I'm definitely not as high as Twitter is. But, I I mean, if I need running back help, I'm looking to pick him up anywhere I can as a bench stash flyer in, in deeper leagues. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to go crazy with my FAB on him, but... I just, Forsett is just not doing anything now. He hasn't looked the same since 2014. Terrence West isn't going to catch passes, and then this team was one of the most pass-happy ha- offenses in the league last season, so I don't think that's going to change either.
0: Yeah, and I think that all like, I agree completely that if you have the roster spot, go and get him. I'm just, I don't think that, I don't think that his upside is as high as other people do, and I think that that's, that's really the difference for me. All right, so let's get on to the people you like this week. Kobe Fleener finally got off the snide with, a seven one Oh nine and one performance against the Falcons on Monday night in a game in which uh, defense was apparently not allowed. Uh, do you expect him to keep it going uh, with San Diego, a trip to San Diego up on deck?
2: Yeah, I love this spot for him. I mean, the, the Chargers have allowed the most catches and most for most yards to tight ends. They just lost me Titeo to an, in, to an injury, a torn Achilles out for the season. Their inside linebackers are super slow. Lost Jaleel and their best cover safety. And their and their corners are one of the best trios in the league with Brandon Flowers, uh, Jason Verrett, and uh, Casey Hayward. So, I think this definitely sets up for a spot to attack the middle of the field once again this week.
0: Yeah, and I think that your point about how the defense is set up is an is an important one. They, you know, they are great outside with the corners you mentioned, but they're weak at safety. They're weak at linebacker. They've given up the six most points to tight end so far, at least 65 yards to a tight end in every game. I mean, this is yeah. this is another great spot for Fleener. And, you know, if you bailed on Fleener after week two, if you listened to the Roto-World Fantasy Football kickoff, I said, don't do that. But if you did, I mean, hopefully you're able to go pick him up again.
2: Yeah, I had one guy on Twitter tell me that I was the only person telling him to start Fleener last week. And I, I used him in all of the redraft leagues I have him in, and it paid off really well.
0: In that same game will be undrafted sophomore Tyrell Williams for the Chargers, who has 133 130 excuse me, yards and a touchdown on 15 targets in the last two weeks. Now he gets the Saints at home. I'm going to go ahead and assume you like him in that matchup.
2: Yeah, just anyone against the Saints right now is plays, especially Tyrell Williams and Travis Benjamin. Even Dontrell Lemon might come into play in deeper PPR leagues, but all three of the Saints corners, Ken Crawley, Sterling Moore, Devonta Harris have negative marks in coverage a pro football focus and all i have allowed a passer rating over a hundred in their coverage. So this just screams perfect spot for these guys. And they've allowed the fifth most yards to receivers and Williams, like you said, has seen the most targets since Keenan Allen went down. So this is a perfect spot for Williams.
0: And even with the Falcons riding the running game, the saints have still given up the 13th most points to wide receivers and are terrible in the second. So like you mentioned, they're terrible in the secondary, but so the Falcons didn't even try to throw and the saints are still pretty bad against wide receivers. They're playing on the West coast on a short week. I just, I cannot think of a better matchup.
2: The chargers are going to be just way up in pace to 30. They're 30th in pace right now. And the saints are third. So they should run a ton more plays.
0: I'm also on my Melvin Gordon. I'm not giving up the ghost Melvin Gordon.
2: No, I love Gordon this week too. I love anyone that's putting on a chargers uniform this week.
0: Yeah. I think that's the, that's the best way to put it. That should just be the lead line of your column. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael Floyd. Has been a disappointment this year, uh, despite seeing 20% of the Cardinals' targets, which I think before the year, Michael Floyd fanboys such as myself, you told us, oh, he's getting 20% target share. We'd have been excited about it. Has yeah. not happened. Now he's in the concussion protocol. Is he worth using this week, even if he gets cleared from his concussion?
2: Yeah, Bruce Arians thinks he's going to get cleared by Thursday. He was saying that last night, so we'll see what happens. I expect him to get cleared, but even if he does, this isn't a good spot for him. Among wide receivers with at least 20 targets, his 39.1% catch rate is dead last. He dropped three balls last week, ran a bad route on an interception, and then uh, a longtime Cardinals beat writer has been calling for uh, Jerron Brown to start playing more snaps at Floyd's expense. So I could see that happen this week, as as, uh, Bruce Arians has always been a believer in playing the best players who are producing.
0: I'm gonna have a good cry after uh, we finish recording about Floyd. I
2: yeah, I love Floyd too. He just uh, he's so big, but he just plays so soft. I hate it.
0: Free agent after this year, so we'll we'll see where he goes and and what happens with him. I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't Andre Holmes all of us. And, yeah, uh, let's hope not. Uh, oh, it would be bad. Finally, Latavius Murray is currently the running back 15 in standard leagues on the back of three touchdowns. But those numbers don't really tell the whole story, do they?
2: No, he's averaging just over ten carries a game. He's getting by on just touchdown luck right now. Touchdown each game. Uh, this is a three-headed committee in Oakland. I'm just not expecting Murray to find the end zone. And then this week against against the Ravens defense as number three in run defense DVOA has allowed the eighth fewest eighth uh, eighth fewest fantasy points to running backs and. Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington are just outplaying out him when you watch the film. He, Murray just looks slow out of his cuts. I just think this is the week that owners are gonna regret playing him. What do you think?
0: Well, I think he has seen a snap count fall each of the first three weeks, and he's given up twenty nine touches total to Washington and Richard in the last two games. I mean, that's that tells you basically all you need to know. If someone's buying the touchdowns and I think that they, they might be buying the touchdowns because it's not like it's not like the Raiders are a team that everybody follows closely. And it's not like and it's not like his he's been bad. I mean he scored a touchdown in every game. So it's not like if they go and look at the fantasy points that they're gonna be disappointed in him. I'm trying to sell him for sure this week before it before it all falls apart.
2: Hey, he kind of looks like DeMarco Murray from last year. He just looks just slow. I don't know what it is. He just I don't know I don't know how to explain it. He just doesn't look like he has any any cut ability to his game at all.
0: You can't mention DeMarco Murray on this podcast. It's going to be a <laughs> sore spot, I think, for all of us for a very long time. Hey,
2: he's been good this year, though, at least. He looks good. I watched that game from last week. He looked really fast, actually.
0: Yeah, looking good is the problem for me. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't a fan before the year, so I guess we'll take the L on that one. Excellent stuff, as always, Nick. Uh, Nick Col- Nick's column is a must-read every week. It's available on rotoworld.com. Right now, as you listen to this podcast, go and read it, unless you're driving and then wait till you get to wherever you're going and then go and read it. You can also find Nick on Twitter at Nick Minzio or every single Thursday on this very podcast. Thanks so much for coming on, Nick, and we'll talk to you next
2: week. Yep, we'll catch you next week.
0: And we are back with Rich Rebar. You can find him on Twitter at Lord Reeves, and you can find his must read weekly column, The Worksheet, every Wednesday. On Rotoworld.com, and you can find him every single Thursday on this episode of the Rotoworld
3: Football Podcast. What's up, Rich? Ray, what's happening? I mean, here we are. We're almost a quarter of the way done with the regular season for fantasy football. So, I mean, hopefully everyone is sitting on you know hopefully three wins, but at least two at this point. You know, as we try to gear up through the bye weeks here and hit the middle of the season. Yeah, I'm. I'm
0: so like up and down in all my leagues. I have no idea what's happening um i've scored there's a league in which uh, the scott fishbowl 480 has 480 teams in it of those 480 teams i've scored like the sixth seventh most points and i am one and two so that's if you if you're one and two or whatever always remember even zero and three that plenty of seven and six teams get in the playoffs there's no reason to quit yet
3: yeah absolutely my son's doing his first league this year, and he started off zero and three. But his team actually is pretty good. Um, but he's real discouraged, and he's already thinking about NBA basketball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! Well, he's a true fantasy player already, then. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I t- keep telling him to stick with it. Um, but yeah, he's already just thinking about you know, hey, the Warriors play Saturday. <laughs>
0: Uh, the life, the life of getting to watch NBA basketball in October. I mean, it doesn't start till February, doesn't it? Yeah, I I didn't know that ba- they had basketball before before New Year's Day. To be perfectly honest with you. All right, so let's get on to the only sport that matters, football, and uh, we'll talk about some of the players from Rich's weekly worksheet, which, I, as I said at the top, I say it at the top every time, but I mean it. You have to read it every week. It helps me. With my preparation, when I'm looking at you know my rankings, it's it's just really a, a great resource. And let's start with Garrett Blunt, who has been a monster. I think that that's safe to say a monster in the early going, logging at least 22 carries, scoring at least once in every game, had two touchdowns last week. Do you think he's going to remain the focal point of the offense this week?
3: Yeah, Le Garrett, which I believe is French for the Garrett. Uh, <laughs> He leads the league in rushing attempts, and uh, of those 75 rushing attempts through three weeks, they're the most by a Patriots running back since Curtis Martin in 1997. We've seen this, Belichick, I mean, they, they coach to what the strengths of their team are, and for this period of time, they've needed to lean on the running game through all the injuries they've had. Uh, 59% of Blunt's carries have come in the second half of games, uh, the highest rate of all running backs in the league. Uh, that's because the Patriots have run 80% of their plays while having the lead. That's the highest rate in the NFL, and 88% of their plays in the second half second half they've had to lead this is second highest next to the Eagles who have led for all their plays in the second half I mean you look at the Bills they've already allowed two top five scoring weeks to running backs five rushing touchdowns the backs on the season Uh, with the New England quarterback position kind of in flux again it looks like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play I mean it's still you have to expect Blunt to garner another 20 to to 25 touches again this week so I mean he's all systems go locked in I mean he's the only top 10 running back in the league actually the only top 40 running back in the league that doesn't even have a reception and he's still a top 10 player so I mean you're feeling real good about you know Garrett Blunt being able to have points in any format yeah
0: I agree with that completely but I've been getting I've been getting a lot of questions about what's mm-hmm. going to happen to him when Brady comes back and that's really a tough one to answer so how do you what do you think about
3: that? How do you see that situation playing out? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things in play. One, you have to account for like Garrett Blunt's house money where you got him at. I mean he's he's totally out giving you return for what you invested in. So I mean if you have like a dealer's choice. Like if you move him, you're getting something for kind of nothing. But if you keep him, you've already got something for nothing as well. I think that we're definitely gonna see the volume drop. We know that they're gonna throw more, we know they're gonna get a receiving back involved in the game plan more. Deion Lewis may be back sometime around midseason, and we could probably expect Gronk to get going here uh, once Brady comes back as well, and now that he's healthy and Edelman. Um, But I think that the other thing that it plays into is you're also going to have more scoring opportunities when Tom Brady comes back, and LeGarrette Blount's going to still be that guy that gets those carries inside the five. And he's been... Uh, You know, notoriously, he gets knocked for being a poor short yard runner. But while he's been in New England, he's been great at converting those into touchdowns. Yeah, there's
0: some crazy stat that he has like he has like 24 touchdowns and 48 games with the Patriots or some crazy stat like that. I don't know it off the top of my head, but even when Brady is healthy, he scores touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what he does. Another guy who unfortunately didn't score any touchdowns last week or didn't score many (laughs) touchdowns last week, Philip Rivers who leads the league – this is why it made me so upset – leads the league with 28 passing attempts inside the red zone. Three of his five touchdowns have come from within six yards. Do you think that red zone dominance is going to continue this week against the Saints?
3: Yeah, I like that you mentioned the uh, no touchdowns last week because Rivers now has just 12 passing touchdowns in his past 10 games without Keenan Allen, and and eight of those have come against the Jaguars. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, But you look at this this week, I mean, the Saints have only allowed three touchdown passes, but it's not for a lack of trying. New Orleans is allowed the most red zone plays in the NFL at 53. They've allowed the most plays inside the 10-yard line, 35. They allowed the Falcons to run 18 plays inside the 10-yard line on Monday night, 12 the week before against the Giants. Uh, and then when you talk about Philip Rivers, you already hinted at it. Twenty-five percent of Rivers' pass attempts in the season have come from inside the red zone. That's the highest rate for all quarterbacks in the league. You look at it too. The Saints have allowed seven three-hundred-yard passes in their nine road games since the start of last season, and you got the Saints going across country on a short week in this one. I mean, I, I like. Uh, I think like think that we'll be doing a little river dancing. In the top five scoring this week.
0: Yeah, and I mean we talked about it kind of with Dick too. just start all your Chargers. Even though Melvin Gordon was disappointing last week, I'm 100% in. I'm getting right back on that bandwagon. I think that he's, I'm, I'll probably rank him in the
3: top five again this week. I'm really not that worried about it. Absolutely. How about that? How about our buddy Pat Thorman dropping the knowledge? This is gonna be the first time that Drew Brees actually uh, is gonna play in San Diego since he left the team. How is that possible? Yeah, they've only played twice uh, since he's left there, and one was in London, and the other one is in New Orleans. So this is the first time he's gonna play uh, in San Diego. Hashtag revenge game. Yeah, ten years later. Narrative street for the win for sure on that one. <laughs> hey, narrative sleep. Narrative sleep doesn't go away, man. It holds a crutch. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, I, I that's gonna that's gonna happen on Twitter this week, right? Like that's for sure. We're gonna see Drew Brees revenge game. Like, 100 percent. Real people talking about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. So Travis Kelsey is a player that I struggle to get excited about mm-hmm. in ever season long DFS because the big games are few and far between for Kelsey. He had one last week probably should have been a bigger game. The Chiefs were able to sit on the ball with the Jets just throwing interceptions for fun <laughs> last week. And but you know you say that but that's kind of the story of his career. He probably should have had a bigger game and he definitely didn't. But it sounds like there are some compelling reasons to trust him this week.
3: Yeah, I mean, Kelsey has already been a top 7 weekly scoring option two of his three games to start the year. He had just four of those weeks all of 2015. I think when you look at what he's done, he's got 25% of the Chiefs receiving yards. That's the second most of any tight end in the league that's behind Greg Olson. That's the exact same number he had in 2015. So, I mean, you're still feeling good about his role in the offense. And when you look at the matchup, I mean, the Steelers are 31st in passing yards allowed in the league, and they rank 22nd in yards allowed to tight ends. And when you think about the yards the Steelers have been given up, they're actually defended receivers actually pretty well, but they've been killed on just intermediate receptions by backs and tight ends and yards after the catch. That's right in the wheelhouse of what Alex Smith wants to do and what Andy Reid and the Chiefs want to do um you know in some reason the, the Chiefs just seem to only run Kelsey on like 35 drags out of a stack each game <laughs> uh you know I mean, he had his long play last week a stack out of a drag yards after the catch I mean he leads the league and yards after the catch for tight ends the last two years that's his game and you tack on that Ryan Chazier is probably going to be questionable or out in this one with a knee injury I mean I like Kelsey to kind of build on what he had he's had going to the first three weeks and to have a really solid game and when you think about the the construct of the tight end position as a whole right now. I mean, it doesn't take a lot to put a top five game together now. It's ugly out there for tight ends. (laughs) It is
0: bad, bad, bad for tight ends.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So if you polled the audience, I imagine you would get most to say that Demarius Thomas is the number one receiver in Denver, but that's
3: not really how it's played out on the field so far this year, is it? No, absolutely not. I mean, you think about it, Emmanuel Sanders has been targeted on, 30.6% uh, of his routes. That's second in the league behind only Cole Beasley, uh, who has the highest rate in the league. I mean, Sanders has... Yeah, that's pretty oh. wild, man. Cole, listen, Cole Beasley is... Doesn't Dak love some Cole Beasley, man? Uh, you think Emmanuel Sanders? He's accounted for 30.9% uh, um, of the team pass attempts have gone his direction, while Demarius Thomas has only seen 21.3%. And Sanders has out-targeted Thomas in all three games of the season. Now, it might feel like kind of point chasing, given what Sanders did last week. Um, but you know, this week the Broncos play Tampa Bay. They've allowed the most touchdowns in the season to wide receivers. They gave up multiple splash plays to Flipper Anderson, tory Holt, the rest of the incredible Rams receiving crew a week ago. <laughs> I mean, I, I say that in jest because the Rams don't have great receivers. But uh we saw Brian Quick touchdown last week from Tampa Bay uh, against Tampa Bay. uh So the rarest of all offensive plays, the Brian Quick. Yeah, touchdown. exactly. And you know, Tampa Bay is also good enough to make Denver have to create plays through the air, like Denver did last week uh tampa bay's faced the eighth most rushing attempts to running backs but they've allowed the 18th fewest rushing yards off of those attempts uh we're going to have another game where uh it's going to be trevor simeon is going to have to push the ball again downfield and the matchup is a lot better than how he was able to carve up a bangle secondary you know uh last week cause tampa bay has been giving points weight receivers you know uh especially near the paint
0: and one of the reasons i was so high on emmanuel sanders heading into the year and unfortunately kind of jumped off the bandwagon last week, which shows you why you shouldn't jump off bandwagons after two weeks. But I thought Simeon in the preseason showed his ability to push the ball downfield and give his receivers opportunities to make plays. And they finally let him do that mm-hmm. last week. And that's exactly what he did. And so if you go and look and like you said, with this matchup, Tampa Bay's run defense is is legit. It has been for ever since last year. So this is a situation where I think they're going to have to throw, like you said, and if they're going to allow Simeon to take shots, I trust him to give Thomas and Sanders ample opportunity to make big plays. So I agree with you completely. I'm a hundred percent in on Sanders, a hundred percent in even on Thomas, which is a, an odd thing to say, but, but yeah, I think that I think it's a great situation for him.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean their your usage tree is so thin. I mean, you can just latch on to those guys in situations like this.
0: So excellent stuff. As always, Rich. You Remember you can follow him on Twitter at Lord Reebs. You can find his work at rotorworld.com. You can also find Nick Benzio's work at Rotorworld and follow him at Nick Minzio. If you're hitting the follow button, you might as well hit the follow button next to my name as well. It's at RM Summerlin. Remember to subscribe, rate and review the podcast anywhere you find it. And that's it. We'll talk to you next week.
1: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.